Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Today we're talking to Jerry Cantor. Jerry is a faculty member of the Ontario College of Homeopathic Medicine and owner of Vital Force Healthcare in Boston area. Uh, he's a Boston area homeopathy and acupuncture practice. The first acupuncturist to receive an academic appointment at Harvard Medical School's Department of Anesthesiologists. Jerry is the author of The Emotional Roots of Chronic Illness, which we're going to talk about today, but we're probably going to dip into some of his other books, saying Asylums, inter Interpreting Chronic Illness, The Toxic Relationship Cure, and Autism Reversal Toolbox. Jerry, at the moment, lives in Massachusetts. Hey, welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we spoke a little bit before the show, and and I consider homeopathy and acupuncture to be energy medicines. Can you address that, those or homeopathy especially as an energy medicine, and what that sure. means? It has to be an energy medicine because there's materially nothing really in the remedies except the tiny, tiny imprint of the original substance. Um, the remedies have been uh, diluted so many, many times that they're, pro they're really not detectable if you take them take the remedies to a laboratory. Um, so we're talking about the law of similars here, using like to cure like. The medicine is actually your own body, your own vital force, the doctor inside your body that needs a tiny bit of prompting to solve a problem that has previously been too big. And so... The remedy, which mirrors you exactly, homeopathy is so customized, um, prompts a reaction, uh, almost like a permission slip, gives a permission slip to the subconscious to, to deal with something that it said was before said it was just way too big a problem. A remedy tricks your vital force into converting a chronic problem into something like an acute problem, meaning it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that's, um, that's good because in a chronic situation, you don't have that. You've got good days and bad days, and it's always there. But in this compressed version of the of the sort of like the acute illness, um, that's that's um, we call that the homeopathic aggravation. It means your body is finally paying attention to the problem, making a big deal out of it, and and, and dealing with it like um, you know in a, in a, in, a, in a, um, a maximal fashion. It's making a big deal out of it, just like a, we we make a mistake when we try to suppress our fevers with our temperatures with drugs. Um, we're insulting the body and preventing that from happening. The natural way to get better is to have the infection, is to have the acute illness, so long as it's not so severe that it kills us. And that way we get back to homeostasis. I'm making this gesture like a sine curve. Um, several ways, other ways in which it's energetic. Um, the diagnosis, the diagnostics of homeopathy, I call those spiritual forensics. Spiritual forensics, which is to say that if you, if you have a chronic illness, even though you don't know it, or you don't typically know it, at the root of that is some kind of a spiritual crisis that you're having. And those are the themes, the, the kind of spiritual crises we have are in my book, um, The Emotional Roots of Chronic Illness, which is subtitled Homeopathy for Existential Stress. The existential stress is actually a quandary, a deep quandary 
that's uh, buried in the subconscious that is causing problems for you and makes you susceptible to illness. And uh, I can tell stories about it. Um, I can't tell the entire deal because it's a cosmology, which is a little bit complex, but it's accessible and people would get it when they read it. I mean, it's one easier of, to talk about specific st- remedies. One of the stories you had in your book was about, a, I think she was a 13-year-old girl. She was a teen- young teenager. And um, she was a high achiever, you know, and she was a gymnast and all of this, but she was losing weight and she was not eating. And, um, you know, in your book, you talked about when you talked to her, everything was perfect. There wasn't a problem. (laughs) You know, she didn't, she, you know, didn't talk about, but you want to talk about that story? Do you know what story I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes, I do. That's an amazing, an amazing story. So anorexia is, nervosa is certainly a, a, a condition which is very, very difficult to treat in the normal world. Um, and very often it will be these perfect young girls. Um, she was, as you said, she was a gymnast. She was academically at the top of her class. She had many, many friends. Um, she was skinny and she just wasn't eating. And she had this delusion that uh, she, if she ate, it was too much. Um, here's what happened. So I had a client who I was working with who said to me, Jerry, can you, can you help my niece? She's, uh, she's this, this girl. She's kicking her off the gymnastics team. People are terrified. She's going to dwindle into nothing and die. I said, well, let's see what I can do. So an appointment was scheduled, and she was brought to me by her parents. So she's sitting in the room, and the parents, I don't know, they looked around. They, they were pretty suspicious of me altogether. Um, and uh, I talked to the girl, and she would admit to having any, anything wrong with her, I said, you know, Finally, I said, do you have, well, how does your stomach feel? What's going on there? She said, sometimes it bothers me. It feels like it's collapsing. It's collapsing inward. Um, I took that a certain way, metaphysically, you'd say. Um, Mm -hmm. And I decided that she needed a remedy called arsenicum. Now, that's made from, homeopathics are made from bad stuff. But as again, when you dilute them, they treat what they cause. So arsenic will kill you in a gross amount. Um, it, it will create, create what's called the presentiment of death, where you feel like time is running out, um, you're going to die, your extremities get cold, and everything kind of collapses inward, okay? Um, the stomach kind of, your circulation, your circulation collapses inward. So inside, there's usually some kind of heat, or, and externally, you're cold. And the psychological theme of it is um, they're often perfectionistic. They're, they are anxious for their family, for their loved ones. They feel like there's not enough time. Now, in this girl, I guess I made an assumption, and I thought to myself, you know, this collapsing feeling is like it's all her pathology is there, and she wants to retreat to the security of the womb. That's a crazy idea. I mean, because you, it's mm-hmm. not, it's it's not going to work. But that's what was compelling her. Now, eating. No, or not Would that be the same talking. thing as as I want to disappear? I'm going to make a slightly different separate? connection. Yeah. There's other remedies which have that feeling of disappearing. No, I think she just wanted to go deeply into the womb where she was protected, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. actually. But here's the other thing. when you do, She also wasn't talking, right? She wasn't giving me much away. And she wasn't eating. Right. Well, in Freudian psychology, eating and, and what happens in the stomach and when you talk, the same thing, you're using your mouth. She, was, she wouldn't talk and she wouldn't eat. So she was keeping some kind of a secret. And in her family, the ecology of it was that everything was okay so long as she didn't talk. 
and also she was a perfect girl. She did not never had to become a human, fully human being. I'm also going to say you have to have a rebellion, a, a, a useful, a, a successful rebellion to actually become who you are and get away from your family. I don't know if people know this or not. Um, many so people you have to push us. away to grow up. You mean? Yes. To, okay. Anyway, to so here's away. what happened. Yeah. I gave this girl arsenicum, a high high potency of it, because I thought the condition was really serious. Then a few weeks went by, and the parents didn't contact me, but the aunt, who was my client, did. She said, Jerry, um, the girl is eating. She's eating. She's eating. I said, well, that's fantastic. She said, what else? Well, she's also talking. <laughs> they said, what's she talking <laughs> about? I don't know, she said, but whatever she said upset the family very, very much. So she was the repository of certain kinds of secrets, and she was beginning to have a rebellion, and the entire ecology of the family was being upset. And they were furious at me. They really were angry at me. I don't know if consciously they would have preferred the girl to die than have her talk about these things. But that is what happened. Had I known a therapy, any a family, um, family constellation therapist or some someone who dealt with family ecology, I would have made the referral. But they just would have nothing to do with me anymore. But um, pretty clear that her life was saved. And uh, she, but she had to start talking and she had to start eating. But the family was not happy about it. <laughs> um, we talked earlier about about another story I have about that remedy arsenicum, um, which I'll mm -hmm. I'll bring in now because it's it's a it's a real staple of homeopathic practice. It comes up for skin conditions. The remedy comes up for obviously digestive, you know, ga uh, gastric complaints. Um, it can come up for uh, people who are completely neurotic around their perfectionism. But again, you have to establish that at some level below below that's that's not necessarily evident that the person is deeply worried about their circle of love, their parents, their family. They, they're trying to do everything right so that nobody gets hurt. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes people are aware of that and sometimes they're not. But it's a perfectionism remedy. Okay, here's my story. So um, I was supposed to give a talk at a therapy practice. I, the appointment was made months before by a friend of mine who was working there. And I kind of got caught up and I was realized at the last minute, oh my God, I got over there. It was, and I hit traffic and I was late. And I think, well, what's the big deal? It's just a little therapy practice. So I show up over there at lunch, and there are like 40 people in the room, and they're sitting with their arms crossed and really, really <laughs> angry at me. A lot of hate coming was, at you. <laughs> I was, this was, they're going to get uh, an in-service uh, academic credit or something for it. And, and I was late, and they, were, they couldn't eat their lunch. <laughs> I felt pretty bad about it. I said, okay, I'm sorry I'm here. I mean, I, I hit traffic, uh, but I'll, let's see what I can do to make up for this. So I said, you, you folks are probably dealing with anxiety quite a bit, uh, nervousness, anxiety. I will tell you about one particular remedy that maybe will be useful to you to hear about. It. And I talked about arsenicum. I said, this is for people who are, are perfectionistic. Um, not, they don't have to be young girls uh, like, like that, who under, experiencing mm -hmm. the great pressure of their family. There's, it comes up in many circumstances. But then I said, you know, on the positive side, and homeopaths can prescribe on the positive as well as the, as the negative. In fact, we often do. I said, this is the kind of person who you'd want to be your office manager. This is the kind of person who you want to take to worry for you, right? Yeah. And I said, in my experience, there's a certain haircut that I associate with this remedy. It doesn't happen all the time, but fairly often, with women at least, they have a page boy haircut that looks kind of like a helmet. And it's, it says... It says uh, I can get it done. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in there. I'm in the trenches. I'm gonna get this done for you. I'm gonna take take everything for it. So I'm looking around the office and standing at the very back of the of the crowd 
of these 40 people, there's a woman with dark hair. Also, they tend to be brunettes. Homeopathy is not politically uh, appropriate. Correct. Uh, <laughs> but that's just how it is. Yeah. I, I, so I said, you know, it would be look, it would, it would be look somebody who looked, if I had to pick an office man, it would be someone who looks like that. And I pointed to this woman. And lo and behold, she was the office manager. <laughs> you know, so at I, that I, point, I had them. Did she I mean, go and them. change her outfit and her hair after that? <laughs> yeah, the trouble is you might make somebody self-conscious. There are some remedies, yeah. for example, that you might prescribe for just before, because the person is constantly smiling while they're telling you sad, sad things. Inappropriate smiling. They're putting a, a, a happy face, putting on a good face for you, which works socially. Yeah. Now, I, I might point that out to somebody i don't always and then make them really self-conscious so they don't, <laughs> don't want to smile while i know they, they matter, won't, but, won't open their mouth yeah <laughs> but the thing is if, if when you're in the practice it's, it's so informal and it's and i like to cr- introduce humor into it that uh, all that matters is i get i i want to create a very natural cir- uh, circumstance not saying you you're in a doctor's office we're going to look at this we're going to look mm-hmm. at you in this heavy kind of way the, the more natural the whole thing is the, the better it works for me um but anyway, back it's to, our yeah, to the, the, this, helmet, this helmet haircut, this this page boy, um, I have often seen uh, women who need arsenicum have that particular hairstyle. So I make use of that um, anic- that anecdotal experience. Right, um, right. I wonder <laughs> how many people out there who have that haircut are now going out to get that. <laughs> it how won't make it? you more responsible. If you get that haircut just because you want to become a more responsible person, that might not work. I was going to say, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. You you did acupuncture for a lot of years, and then you switched over to homeopathy. And you yeah. really, uh, you're a homeopath almost exclusively now. Yes, that's right? right. Yeah. You want to just explain why you did that? Well, one of my jokes is, uh, especially And what the COVID, difference is between the two. Yeah. yeah, one of my my jokes was uh, is that uh, my needles aren't long enough to treat children like in different towns. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, there's a def- definitely is an overlap between acupuncture and, and homeopathy. And I I covered my first book, interpreting chronic illness. I created a synth- synthetic model that actually combines the theories of traditional Chinese medicine, homeopathy, and conventional medicine, um, and that worked out pretty cool. Um, both acupuncture and homeopathy. Um, exploit a very basic quality of life, characteristic of life, which is irritability. If you poke it and it responds, it's alive. <laughs> Sounds silly, <laughs> but it's it's true. So acupuncture pokes you, very literally pokes you. The needles poke you. Um, and uh, they they in the course of that, the meridians of the energetic meridians in Chinese medicine uh, recognize that they're out of harmony and say, oh, oh, you're poking us that way. We're going to balance ourselves out. And that, that works. Um, Homeopathy, so it's a it's a tiny, it's a mini, 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 mini stabbing, and you can mm-hmm. get a, this paradoxical effect. Provided you stab in the in the correct place, in this minimal kind of a way, you're prompting a reaction from the vital force based on irritability that is beneficial. Homeopathy is a mini, 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 mini poisoning, and when the body mm-hmm. recognizes this t- tiny, tiny amount of uh, of poison that's so specific to what's going on, the body says. The vital force, I should say, says, oh, my God, I hate that stuff. I, what the hell are you doing? Wait, but there's so little of it there. That's no big deal. Okay, let me get to work on that. And then the vital force kind of rolls up its sleeves and begins to process the theme that pertains to that substance. Like with arsenicum, the, I told you what the theme of that remedy is. Feeling that you ha- that 
the time is running out, you're getting older, or you, you know, you've got, you've got to do everything right. Uh, there's no margin for error. And so you've got, you have to partake in these, these, these uh, activities. And, and that's at the, at the mind body level that discombobulates your digestion. It can cause problems in the skin. There's all kinds of things that it, it, it does. That once you take the remedy, it revolutionizes your energy and you, you come out of that, come out of that differently. Um, I like is- homeopathy more, more because it's the theory of it is, is vastly more psychological than, psych- than Chinese medicine, which has its own psychology attached to it. But for me, the home- homeopathic homeopathy is much more interesting because it's so much more sophisticated. In Chinese medicine, we've got basically five core emotions, happiness, uh, worry, uh, grief, terror, and anger. And it doesn't get a whole There's lot There's only more- one good out of those five. <laughs> They're all important. They're all like tools. And I write about this in my book. The emotion, five core emotions are very much like a, t- a tool. You take out a tool to solve a problem, then you put it away. The emotions are there to solve a problem too. You don't want to live a, a life where you're never anxious because you might, you might eat something that's, if your anxiety might prevent you from eating a, a poison mushroom that, uh, or you know, that if you, you know, ate it, you, you would, would kill you. All the emotions solve a problem, and then you should be done with them. That's how they are optimally. In psychology land, they call that catharsis. It solves a problem. If you overuse a tool, that's not good. If you underuse a tool, that's bad too. And I can give you great examples of that if you want some stories. Okay, yeah. I'll talk, can yeah. I t- talk to you about a remedy called Staphysagria? Because that combines the Chinese medicine and the homeopathy point. That'd be great, yeah. Okay. Staphysagria, made from a little buttercup, is the remedy that you use for people who suppress their anger, suppress their indignation. Now, if you combine, if you talk about the tool that represents anger, it, an easy choice would be the hammer, the hammer of anger. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer out a warning, I'd hammer about uh, love between the <laughs> people all over yeah. the world. It's, it's typically used to associate with anger. And if you're a carpenter, you know, you use your hammer, you smash down a nail, and then you put your hammer away, use something else. If you're using your emotional hammer all the time, you might be someone like a Vietnam war, 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 war vet who's got PTSD and comes out. He's always mad. He's mad if you do something wrong, but he's also mad if you just look at him funny. He's carrying his hammer around, and that's the only tool he uses. If you need staphysagria, and it's often a woman's remedy, because women are taught, they're brought up to leave, that they should be seen and not heard, that if, they, if, they, you know, if they're too loud or boisterous or uh, willful, they're bitches, that that happens. So they, they suppress their indignation. And that causes stomach problems. It causes headaches. It even causes dental problems. Um, but if you meet a woman who needs staphysagria, she will typically be very nice. Um, she will be overly polite. She would, but she'd be aggravated by rudeness, and she'd have a strong sense of pride. All kinds of good things about a strong sense of honor, strong sense mm-hmm. of honor, which is like a shield you carry in front of yourself. You know, don't don't hurt me. Hurt, you could besmirch my honor, but you can't hurt me. Well, yeah. the problem with that is when you when you have that relationship to anger, you're using the wrong end of the hammer. You're using the claw end to claw at yourself. These are folks who are um, very self-critical. Uh, they cannot, they do not have a healthy expression of anger such that they explode, solve the problem, and then feel better. My key question with that, if I want to confirm the appropriateness of that remedy, is, uh, is this. After you blow up, do you feel better off or worse? Or do you feel worse? Every time they say they, they feel worse, and they suffer, and they like they get frustrated like this. 
This is vexation, yeah. which is the dysfunctional cousin of anger. That's using the claw end of the hammer. They deflect their anger too. They will tend to slam a door or, 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 or uh, um, you know, throw an object, but they will never directly confront you and say, who the hell do you think you are? Get that up, get out of my face. You know, they can't do that. They mm -hmm. absolutely feel worse. If you give that remedy, when I give, explain that remedy to women, nine times out of 10, she'll give me a worried look. You say, oh my God, are you going to turn me into a bitch? And I'm going to say, <laughs> it, it, you're going to be surprised. This is baggage. That, you, that, you're, that you're suppressing your anger like this is not necessary. When you were young and some, your mother taught you, you this, this is baggage. You're now a grown woman. You can express your opinion. People will be happier with you if you just if you blow up legitimately, I'm not. You're not going to be uh, a Vietnam, you know, war vet, war vet with PTSD. You will you'll respond appropriately, and that's what happens. They will tell people off. Um, they, they, something changes. They may need various various versions of that remedy, um, but that's a tremendously important remedy. Now, existentially, men can need it too if they get put into a situation where they can absolutely have to suppress. They're anger. They, they feel angry, but they, for one reason or another, they can't do it. And the remedy will generally be liberating for them as well. But it comes up more for women. Is it a powerlessness? You well, know, a woman uh, feels so much lack of power, you know, and in, in the ability to confront or just be truly, fully there. Do you yes, know what I mean? Yes, and this, this empowers them. This is absolutely an empowering remedy. because you. But you go to the source of it. If I just tell you, hey... Speak your truth. If someone does it artificially when they don't feel it, it doesn't work. And people like that right. defeat their therapists all the time. But this goes back to something very specific. And, and furthermore, again, this is how homeopathic research works. If I poison people with a gross amount of staposagria, if they take, in other words, they consume the plant that this is made from on a regular basis, then even if they're the most outspoken women in the world, let's say they're Bella Abzug or someone like that, <laughs> um, they would, uh, sorry, it's a long-term reference, they would become, they would start to become this, they would start to feel powerless. They would start to feel like they they, 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 they shouldn't be using their their uh, their power. They, so they, would it actually work in reverse? Anger. It would work in, work in reverse. The homeopathic research is what I would call the law of inculcation because you're inculcating a state in people. You don't know what you're doing because you're just, researching that substance. But it, that's how we know what a remedy does by the fact of what it causes, what it brings forth in a bunch of, of healthy individuals. Homeopathy is research on healthy people, not on sick people. Mm -hmm. So didn't you, and, and I think this was in your book, have um, a group, you, you were doing an experiment and you had one person from one hospital, one group, from one hospital where basically you did nothing, and then uh, a group from another hospital. Do you know what I'm talking about? And and you were giving them a, a homeopathic remedy, and I don't know the details to pull you in and say, oh yeah, that was about this. Oh, that, I'm sorry, but I'm it wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you were basically uh, doing an experiment and watching how one group would behave against the control group. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I, 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 I apologize because I don't remember the de details. Yeah, I'm not of even it. sure which book that yeah. would have been put in. Um, it only has, homeopathy, it was homeopathy typically is not done quite like that. It's very hard to create groups that are so similar as, as to the cohorts that you can mm -hmm. you can do stuff like that. The best the best version of that, as as I say, using using homeopathy, 
at a macro, as a macro, macro level would be in Cuba, where the lepto, annual leptospirosis epidemic was cured by inoculating the, the people with the uh, with a remedy um, over a period of what time that was documented. Was that? Leptospirosis in Cuba. It's a, it was an annual disease that was cured by homeopathy uh, as, as a public health measure. Um, well, what is the what disease is that? What you know is it the flu or you know? no? It's 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 a it's a, a tropical disease. But let's oh, talk okay. about it's easier. It's always easier to talk about give stories about individuals because they're 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 more interesting. Um, right, right. I can talk to you about uh, one of my favorite remedies is thuja, and I wrote about that in many many in many ways. Should I talk, tell you about the robot boy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that in the book, but I might not have gotten that far. When I got that far. Yeah. So a teenager. This, was, this, this book is excellent, but it requires focus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you can range around in it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, a teenage boy was brought to me who had defeated every therapist he'd, he'd seen. And he talked in a monotone and he was kind of wooden. And the story, what he said was he was a robot. I said, what? You're a robot? He said, how did this, what's going on here? Anyway, I unco uncovered the, the story. And he, I think he, he actually told me how it happened. He was in biology class where Darwinism was taught. You know, and one of the, one of the uh, aspects of Darwinism is the, uh, is the survival of the fittest via adaptation to your surroundings. Okay, so he was taught, he had heard that birds had no control over the, their color. They were actually would adopt a certain kind of coloration based on the environment. And this wasn't their choice. They were just, it would just happen to them, and they had no power over it. Now, there are a lot of other kids in that class who didn't become robots after hearing that. How come he did? He felt, oh, my God, this is, this is me. I'm powerless. Everything around me impacts me. I have absolutely no control. So... It's not just that idea, but the table was set in his life by something early on, much, much earlier, like I was talking about with a girl with anorexia. That didn't happen mm -hmm. overnight. She was that girl was the product of a family which had uh, effectively stifled her and controlled her from such a deep level that she felt to maintain the health of the family, she had to shut up and not eat. Anyway, this kid, something happened to him much earlier that this made him different from the other kids in the class. And he felt this this was he had a hot button that he didn't um that he was um he had a very very, very poor very very poor self-esteem that he was he could become anything that he could become anything because based on the outs what, what was affecting him so i said to him you know this is not a problem i've treated lots of robots before so it's okay that you're a robot <laughs> i don't think he's ever been told that by anybody else People would say, yeah. you're not a robot. Live in the minute. Experience things. You right. know, pick up this coffee cup. Didn't you see that you did that on your own? I don't know. Anyway, I said to him, I, I don't have a problem that you're a robot. I've treated other robots. So that was my first way of connecting with him. What I wound up giving him was the remedy Thuja, T-H-U-J-A. This remedy is famous uh, for treating poor self-esteem. But more than that, getting very specifically, inauthenticity a feeling that you are at some very deep level, you are personally unacceptable. You're so unacceptable that you become anybody other than who you are. So they're masters of disguise. They become chameleons. They can be, they become anything that 
that they need to become in order to, to get by. Uh, you'll find that a lot of stand-up comedians who have this incredible ability to self-deprecate and make fun of themselves and uh, become all kinds of people, you know, would, would need this remedy. Yeah. Um, so after you gave them the remedy, what happened? Yeah. So what happened was, was this. I also always suspect, um, so this is what I call inauthenticity. The other feature of this is that you cannot access your self-interest. Someone who doesn't need thuja can simply ask their gut, is this good for me? Is this good for me? I'm going to do this. Someone, other kids in this class said, yeah, okay, those, that's, those, poor, those birds are adapting, but that's not me. This, I know what's, I'm still who I am. I don't have to become somebody mm-hmm. like that. Someone who needs thuja, there's a famous joke by Groucho Marx, and there's many variants of it. He would say, you know, I won't join a club that would have me as a member. You know this joke? <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, laughing. It's self-deprecation, <laughs> yeah. right? He felt so bad yeah. about himself. It would have such low standards yeah. to accept him, he won't join. So this is, but this right. joke is at the heart of this particular remedy, Thuja. But, and that's the, the feeling there is you're uncomfortable in your own skin. So at the physical mm-hmm. level, it's a remedy for many, many skin complaints, in particular of warts, with dryness, scalp. At the point, but at a, this is a mind-body problem where your sense of personal acceptability, I'll be anybody other than myself, you know, is so real um, that it causes tremendous anguish. That is insulating you from the more authentic pain, which is a grief, usually a depression state, that is underneath it. So typically, after I give thuja, the person comes back more authentic, but they might be quite depressed because now the th- removal of the th- thuja onion skin layer brings to allows, allows the depression state to emerge, and then I treat that. That is exactly what happened with this boy. So he came back mm-hmm. uh, five weeks later. He was no longer a robot, but he was depressed. Right. Um, so now, I, I, there are remedies I have for that. You said, talked about being invisible. A very typical remedy that comes up after thuja is natrum sulfuricum. That's a depression remedy where people feel that they are they count for nothing, that they're not they're not visible, that they're being treated like they don't they're, they're not even there. It's bad too. Um, it's not a it's not a question of judging one or the other. You just give what's needed. But he was much more authentic, and this was a step a big step in the right direction. Right. So he was authentic, but went into pain. So now he could feel the pain. He, now so, he was able to feel the pain. The pain yeah. was released. Before, it was so severe that it had to be covered up. He had to be insulated right. from it. And that's how the psyche works. So you pull that away, and now he's able to deal with it. it. The remedy state announces itself to me, and I can prescribe for it and get him on his way. That's what happened. How long did that take, or how many steps did that take till he was him and and able to be fully himself, comfortable in his own skin, and basically healthy? So that you didn't it need to treat It took a couple of remedies, anymore. but I mean, everybody always has some demons. There are very junior yeah. versions of that. For example, if you imagine, let me give you a, a, a thought experiment. Someone who's uh, profoundly bipolar, right? Mm-hmm. And I treat that person. What would be a reasonable expectation? That I turn this person into a completely happy-go-lucky person who just drinks, sips pina coladas on the beach? A more reasonable <laughs> expectation would be, nice. would be it doesn't <laughs> happen. The much more yeah. reasonable expectation is he becomes a moody individual. Someone mm-hmm. who's simply moody, it's, it's a step down from being bipolar, but it's not, right. it's still, I would, I, could, I would not say that's a, 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 you know, a deficient person or, you know, that's still a, a, in the range of health as far as I'm concerned. I'm a moody person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but not bipolar. <laughs> I'm not bipolar. And, you know, but anyway, so this idea. So this, you can I bring them back to themselves. 
as far as I possibly can. That's who that who they are also continues to evolve. This kid was still a teenager, so who he's going to become is none of my business. He's going to develop and go in different directions and and have mm-hmm. a career and a family. I, I don't know. At some point later, um, some version of him may show up in my office again, or maybe he'll never need me again. Um, I have a lot of respect for for individual growth, and I, I don't want to over prescribe for possibilities that aren't you know not ev- completely evident at that moment. Mm-hmm. So you'll bring him to the to a good foundation. As then, long as he's coming to me with children, from there. with children, basically, and he's not a child, basically the, the aim with homeopathy treating children is simply to promote their development because they're going to change so tremendously from month to month, you know, week to week, month to month anyway. Um, mm-hmm. they're not, they're, their condition is not set in stone like maybe uh, a debilitating auto, autoimmune condition is, you know, where I will be working at this one particular thing from coming at it from various angles for some time. Um, this kid, uh, he's on his way. I'm, I'm sure by now he's in his forties. I imagine, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's just that's Athuja is an amazing remedy. This this idea of being you know being inauthentic. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's an How awful. How do you feel state. about people listening to this and going out and taking the remedies themselves? Well, if they get an over the counter remedy for something really simple, um, and uh, well, homeopathic, re- I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, what we're talking about here, this is the level of a practitioner. You, you would not do this with yourself. You, first of all, you wouldn't. Would, would the robot recognize that he's he's got a problem that he needs? He's got such poor self-esteem. All he's focused on was that he's a robot. He had no insight mm-hmm. whatsoever. No, you need somebody who can listen to you, take your story, and dig under the surface and make a kind of a judgment about you. Figure something out about you that's going on um, that you yourself cannot find. I can't prescribe for myself very accurately, very, very seldom. Very, very hard to see oneself. Um, That's true. People can, have, yeah. people can have, what I do recommend, people have acute remedy kits, 30C prescri- prescriptions. That's not such a high potency. And with that, you can treat bee stings, and you can treat ear infections, and you can treat stomach distress, and you can treat hangovers, and you can even treat uh, acute grief, you know, or... or the, I've or used the different flus, grief, actually, or the, and it's or the pretty flu. effective. I mean, yeah. basic remedies that yeah. without a whole lot of training... You can do an awful lot of good uh, for yourself and uh, have it work even before you, think, you get to the emergency room. In in your book, you talk about everything coming down to five existential questions. And, <laughs> this is a big question. This is bringing you to the meat of it. One yes, is, am I alone book. in life or do I act in synchronicity with nature and with others? So here's the thing. We've got about a half hour, a little bit less. I want to get into the five and then I want to apply it to what is going on in the world right now. So which Whoa. way do you want to go? <laughs> well, I, I like, I, I, I will go through just mention, just to say what the five basic questions are. And go I'll say it. that yeah. I, I, I developed them after a lot of thought. They kind of grow out of my studies with my first book, where I created the synthesis of of, of uh, between three medical systems. They are mm-hmm. an expression of, they relate to the five core phases of Chinese medicine, which are sometimes called the elements: uh, fire, earth, metal, air, and air and uh, water. Um, they also relate to in, in homeopathy land the five core miasms. Miasms are diseases that have run through the population and have left traces on the descendants, and their characteristics that are both good and bad, and it's sort of like an astrological, in some way, like an astrological category that gives you a sense of what kind of person you are, kind of sense of kind of uh, conditions that you're, you're um, at risk of getting. 
Um, mm -hmm. And as I said, I developed the existential question that is the expre core expression of what, what the issue is. There's also a, a quandary in there that I can talk about. But yeah, so I'll do a little bit with it, but doing it extensively and I, I can't do the whole book in half an hour. But the first one, right. which relates to fire. I don't want you to do that, yeah. <laughs> okay, that when you, am I in synchrony with others? Am I in touch, am I in touch with others? Um, am, I, am I responsive? Um, that's about the circulatory system. Um, it has mostly to do with, the, with infant, infanthood the relationship with, of the baby with the mother, are their hearts beating in synchrony? You know, the mother's beat and the baby's beat are in synchrony for quite some time. Sense of community, um, the circulation system. And if we go into deep isolation, if we're deeply isolated, a baby that's kept away from its mother after, at birth, that's, a, that's, that's going to dis dis disrupt the, synch the synchrony for that child. Um, it's also for very sudden, very acute kinds of problems that the remedy belladonna would come in for, like children who have night terrors, they suddenly feel like they're in a, you know, they're still in another world. They're not in synchrony with their mother here. And the circulatory system is, is harmed. But it relates to bigger forces in nature. It relates to uh, migrations of, in nature, bird migrations, and the fact that we want to go back home. We, we want to be in touch with nature. I mean, there's much more to it than that, but I'll, I'll start with that idea. So the, the, uh, the, the existential question is, opposes um, isolation versus synchrony. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the second one, and that's that's fire, the element of fire in Chinese medicine. Um, you get even deeper into it, it relates to tuberculosis in, in homeopathy, the, the tubercular miasm. And that's too hard for me to explain right now. The second one, which in Chinese medicine is the element of, of earth um, and relates to metabolism, is the question, um, is my existence on earth sustainable? Am I getting good nutrition? Am I, am I going to be fed? Um, am I going to be able to make a living? Um, and the op and the opposition there is between between anxiety and challenge. So every bite of food that you take is kind of a challenge to your digestive system. I've got to convert this 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 gross substance into something that I can make use of. I can break it down. But it's also at the emotional level challenge and anxiety. Um, do I have mm -hmm. I bitten off more than I can chew? That's <laughs> what you can yeah. say. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing. And my, most of the diseases we talk about are at that level. They're, they're metabolically oriented diseases from diabetes onto uh, Crohn's disease. They all involve some question at the ex existential level that opposes my being paralyzed by anxiety or being over, overdoing it, being overly adventuresome and, and risk taking. Um, and there's all kinds mm -hmm. of remedies that attach to that. That's kind of all I'll say about that. Uh, and the okay. the. The emotion there is worry or anxiety. Um, the third one would be um, the element metal. Mm -hmm. And um, that is orientation. And space and time. Yeah. Space and time, orientation versus this, centeredness, centeredness versus orientation. This has to do with respiration. So all, all, the, all the deep uh, meditation practices involve centering and through breathing. So it's the respiration system. Um, and in terms of the sense, it's a sense of smell. Oh, by the way, yeah, I also related these things to uh, to this five senses. The first one, fire, I relate to the sense of touch. Like you've touched my heart, you say that. In in the second mm -hmm. one, which is earth, um, taste. Yeah, that's the sense of taste, right? Yeah. Um, because when you're tasting something, you're auditioning it for ex metabolic acceptability. So in metal, um, it's the sense of smell. 
And smell can completely break down distances and, and time. If you smell a certain cigar, instantly you're back to like when you're two years old, you're smelling your uncle's cigar. Um, the element of grief is the emotion that's key there. So well, how does that work? Well, if you're stuck in grief, you're stuck in the past, you have to at some point create a separation. I'm, it's not my job to tell you when grief is over, but at some point you have to come back into the present and not be, not be attached to the past. And this all, mm-hmm. all the remedies having to do with one's identity. Thuja, by the way, belongs in this because clearly in the Thuja problem I talked about before, someone cannot be themselves. They have a very, very fragmented, they have no sense of identity. They become whoever they, the psyche wants to be, to be, anything other than their own self. So that's yeah. the element of fire, which relates to the sense of smell and orientation. This is the, would be the element in which Alzheimer's disease crops up because we lose our sense of reference it's, it's where we, what we do is defines wh- who we are. Um, and that's, that, that also relates to the middle age. Like, again, fire was infancy. Earth would relate to uh, teenagehood. This relates to a, adulthood. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fourth one, which is. Um, boundary uh, between life and death. The boundary between <laughs> life and Now we're getting, now we're getting heavy. You got my notes. Yeah. So that's now we're getting heavier. Yeah. This is in Chinese medicine. This would be the dimension of water. The organ system mm-hmm. that it pertains to is inheritance, uh, the kidneys and and uh, the urinary bladder system where okay, inheritance is consolidation. It's when something has happened that you that you gained in life that was, will go on into the next generation. It's what consolidates in uh, in your being as something meaningful. So issues around legacy are very important here. Um, mm-hmm. have, has my life been worthwhile? So what's the, the idea here? Is, yeah, has, can, I, can the border between life and death be abided? If you don't abide it, if, you, if you're so terrified of, of, of death that all you want to do is have, you know, material, if you be materialistic, have a lot of sex, collect a lot of things, you know, just be, live really in the moment, then you, you, the fear of death has, has made, you, made you this particular way. If you're on the other side of, of, the, of the death thing and you're okay with that and you have another worry, have I left something for my descendants? Um, and the, have I left something for those who follow me? Have have I have I have I done something for my family? And there are all kinds of ailments that pertain to that. As I say, the in the genital urinary area and in and in the um, reproductive area. So the, the the disease that that's associated with is syphilis. And the, the ailments for that are genetic types of, of illnesses, phyto um, epigenetic problems, where uh, some you inherit, you come into this world already. With uh, with a with a, some kind of a of a, of a of a problem, cognitive or otherwise. So that's that's what deep. That's the deepest hearing part. have to do with that? Yes, hearing is the sensing, is the sense because it, it's a consolidation. Um, and again, language is very interesting. We say we hear the voice of God. We don't say we we see God. We see hearing is where we hear our calling, what we're supposed to do. So it's this deep thing where who we are at a very deep level has to be manifested. Um, I go into that in, in a great, great deal more detail. Also, um, the connection between hearing and and um, and fear. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, <laughs> hearing and fear. Um, yeah. Okay. Because that seems uh, to be prominent just, in that life. Yeah, and the, death the emotion, thing the emotion within that that dimension definitely is fear. And by the way, in the kidneys, in Chinese medicine, <laughs> there's something called kidney diarrhea. <laughs> where if you suddenly like a deer that's in the forest suddenly terrified suddenly drops its load mm-hmm. so certain kinds of diarrhea in chinese medicine would be treated you know chronic diarrhea would treat, be treated through the kidney um then mm-hmm. the four, the uh, fifth one uh, is um 
insurrection of my birth prove will prove. the insurrection of my yeah. birth be profitable <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> okay so there's the world world's okay and now suddenly you come along right um your birth every birth on that level is an insurrection against the status quo what's going to be different because you were born is it going to be worthwhile will you pass through like nothing the founder of homeopathy uh has a has a statue made for him in washington dc it's this beautiful memorial this is for samuel hahnemann and um he's i think the only foreigner who has a statue in in, in washington dc it's gorgeous and on it in latin as it says i did not my life was not in vain so this question was very meaningful to him and he led an enormous insurrection against the status quo he fought conventional medicine we call it allopathic medicine and he was hugely popular hugely influential but he had to battle for this wonderful medicine his entire life so mm -hmm. the, the 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 existential opposition here i call it between chaos and creativity so this relates to the nervous system and i can tie this into chinese medicine too in Chinese medicine, uh, they didn't really know what the nervous system was. They always they thought that nervous activity in the body was accountable for through the liver and, and tendons. They thought that movements were involved, you know, like the contraction or the release of a tendon. So their idea of the nervous system was the tendons. And in Chinese medicine, the liver nourishes the tendons. But in Chinese medicine, the liver is also completely responsible for anger, and it opens into the eyes. So this is the sense dimension of sight. And I'll tell you, this, this is, again, you can use so many sources. We see too much. Sight is panoramic. And when we see too much, we get mad. And the challenge within that is not to lash out blindly, right? We don't say we lash out deftly. We lash out blindly, but to convert your anger into creativity. And like when I was talking about with the Staposagria woman, the trick there is not that to completely stifle her anger or that she, she goes out blind, uh, lashes out blindly, but that she can convert her anger into something creative. That's the challenge of it. Many, many artists are creative. This dimension also relates to springtime, right? So what happens? The little buds have to break through the, the hard, cold earth. They need the energy of anger to break, for, break through. So springtime, the liver, the nervous system, uh, what, what's, what's called wood. Wood relates to spring. Um, this idea of, of, of opposing creativity and, and, um, and chaos. So chaos, by the way, would be um, random activity within the nervous system, like spasms and seizures. Um, mm -hmm. But also, I talked earlier about the inability to have a, a full, um, a successful rebellion in life. This is the sense dimension of cancer, at least at the energetic level, okay? So someone who is prone to cancer, like somebody who cannot, you know, it will be somebody who cannot say no. They simply cannot say no. They, they, uh, they, they can't stand up for themselves. Homeopaths have found that kind of person would be more susceptible to cancer. And so we have a remedy made from uh, from uh, the, the no-sode of cancer, which is called carcinosin. And I'm not sure we cure or prevent cancer with it. You have to talk to practitioners. But it absolutely does prompt um, they're having, beginning to have a successful rebellion and not being so oriented towards saying yes to everything that comes down the road. Other people like that. I'd love to have somebody who's in that state working for me. They'll do anything I ask. But it's not good for them. Yeah. So those Would are the five. Them something the five if they're I, I working just, for you. <laughs> I don't know. We actually went or through leave the them thing. at all. <laughs> yeah.
leave them alone until they, I, they, yeah. But those are the five core police questions. And right. everybody has to deal with one of them at some time or another. Existential questions do not have logical answers. They don't have a yes or no question. They just have a powerful charge that's working below, below the level of, of awareness. And when it's really strong and operant, you know, it will make you sick because you haven't resolved that. So what I did in my book is I described all these remedies using stories and case histories and jokes and so forth. And I talked about some famous people and famous gods and movie, movie stars to explain mm-hmm. those states, to elucidate them, um, and, and to show that how, how this stuff is, how much all this stuff is going below this, going on below the surface. And uh, the kind of remedies that we have, which are subcategories, that each of them has a theme, which is a subcategory of those five, one of those five existential questions. And resolving it goes a long way to make you healthier and happier camper. You went in with Charlie Chaplin and and making it through to from the silent film to the talkies, you know, and and who made it through and who didn't (laughs) really. That was a a really a key thing. So imagine going, being a star in the silent films and suddenly the talkies come along and you can't adapt. Um, That feeling of being obsolete, of being being completely left behind Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, that had a horrible effect on Douglas Fairbanks. You know, he wasn't my my clients, but but, uh, that had, you know, he he died quite young. He he, he had he tried to try to adapt and he couldn't do it. Charlie Chaplin actually did break through that. Uh, because he right. discovered he had other talents. He was a composer and a director. And he, and he lived long, too. And he lived longer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So what is going on in the world right now? The level of anxiety is off the charts. The level of anger, um, blind anger, it seems like, is off the charts. So, oh, you know, on. can you speak to that or... Well, I would break it down into a couple of things. I'll give you uh, some very recent examples. Um, God, just it just so happened of very late, very recently, uh, I have had to treat some as is, is clients who are Israeli who happen to be visiting here um, mm-hmm. very briefly, and also who's the other person? Yeah, has deep connection with Israel. To my astonishment. Like four people all had called me up within three days with exactly the same symptoms. They had a, they had were hoarse. They had a horrible congestion in the throat. They couldn't speak, um, and they were, they claimed they had allergies. Um, mm-hmm. But talking to them, each one of them, what, what was going on there was I determined that they needed the remedy Drosera. Now Drosera is a is a frequently used. Cough, cough remedy. It used to be thought of as a specific for um, uh, for a whooping cough. But in fact, what was going on with them was a, was the the hot button. They felt incredibly betrayed, and betrayal is the hot button in, in Drosera as as an existential theme. And when you're betrayed, you wouldn't be betrayed by a stranger. It would be somebody close to you. That's what makes it so terrible. And the remedy is actually made from a Venus flytrap. If you think about the Venus flytrap, it has it's a plant that get will a, a bug will get will get stuck there, and it's it will irritate the plant. But that's how the plant digests it. So people who need mm-hmm. that remedy also feel like something is stuck in their in their throat. It's aggravating them like that. And um, that remedy uh, is is you know worked you know very quickly uh, to deal with at least some aspect of that. But as 
this problem around the wars in the Middle East is so much deeper and people are going to be traumatized for quite some time. But as an acute remedy, I find that very, very powerful. And the betrayal is at several levels. It's both by, you know, not to get into the politics of this, but could be, you know, the, the betrayal of, of Hamas with that attack and also the government for not mm. protecting you and, and having right. caused such problems in the country that uh, had things have gone to this. I don't want to go beyond, go beyond that. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Other things going on in the world. I mean, in COVID, completely apart from uh, whether you think that's a disease or not, um, the isolation, the social iso- isolation that caused setting back children socially, by the lack of contact, that was something that had to be dealt with. The tremendous fear that, uh, and, and f- that, you know, something else is going to co- be coming down the pike. You know, mm-hmm. um, what what now? What next? And the f- media love it. They, they feed off the sales, sell so many oh, things. But it is horrible, the, the constant fear. Um, what do I think about it? I think um, we have, I recommend withdrawing from, from some of this, from the, from the news content, finding something mm-hmm. artistic to do, nurturing yourself in some particular way um, with, with some, some beneficial activity, get yoga. You must shut this stuff off and tend to your garden. Uh, make your own small life as useful, as positive as possible. Do not get pulled into all of this. There's going to be a limited amount you can do. If you are a, a mover and shaker, if you have like a big following, and if you have things that you can do, or if you're a one percenter and you can you can use your money in some particular cause, of course, go and do that. But most of us aren't in that position, and we serve humanity better by living healthful, productive, you know, ethical lives. That's a cliche, I suppose, but um, tend tend yeah. to your own garden. from by being healthy ourselves. We can. Yeah, it's like do the oxygen a, thing. Keep, keep <laughs> First a good mindset. You, then the other. <laughs> keep a good mind. Keep a positive mindset. You know. Um, be good. Be good to your friends and family. Be positive. Think things through. Don't get pulled in a million directions. That's one thing that's really terrible about about uh, social media. I mean, um, people feel like they have they don't have even get a, t- can't take a breath to think about how they actually think about something. People's time spans, um, t- um, thought spans Attention have shrunken span. down. Yeah, I, I don't have yeah. I don't have the the bandwidth to think about this. Um, a, a homeopathy school that wants me to teach for it just told me that. Prior to a couple of years ago, people could watch uh, podcasts that were, you know, an hour, 45, 50 minutes long, and now they absolutely can't do it. So I was, I'm being asked to give these snippets, this half hour, half hour podcasts. Um, because I just had you for an hour, to, though. You're doing good. <laughs> we're you're still doing, doing good, an hour here. Yeah. Congratulations we're to doing you. It wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're, you're in a good place. <laughs> I I do. I find these I rather the longer. You know, yeah, the, the yeah. in-depth. But we still do have to end now. And I want to make sure everybody knows where to get hold of you and where to get hold of your books. Yeah. Okay. So um, my latest book is called The Emotional Roots of Chronic Illness, Homeopathy for Ill- Existential Stress. Does it come out backwards when I show it like that? Yeah, we'll put that up. Yeah, we'll that'll that be great. Okay. Anyway, yeah. if you if you Google the title with my name, you know, go to the Simon and Schuster website. You can pick it up there. It also comes out in uh, Kindle editions. Um, mm-hmm. The other the book I wrote before this, and it's on called, Amazon and all of that. It's and on Amazon. It's 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 everywhere. It's called Sane Asylums: yeah. The Success mm-hmm. of Homeopathy Before Psychiatry Lost Its Mind. That's more of a history book, but I think it will open your eyes because it tells the story, uh, a very amazing story of um, these utopian, uh, huge utopian, self-sufficient homeopathic mental hospitals 
that were all over the country that uh, this pharmaceutical industry does not want you to know about. Uh, mm-hmm. There are many, many medical schools which were originally homeopathic. There are many, many hospitals that were deeply homeopathic, both officially and otherwise. Um, you have been denied that information, but especially about these wonderful, gigantic um, asylums, which event- e- evolved into something much more horrible as as, right. as history unfolded. So, uh, but don't be fooled. In their heyday, which was in the 1870s, 1880s, 90s, and early 1900s, um, they were hugely popular. And um, I would have loved to have been a homeopath in those days because homeopaths were rich and they were eating the lunch of the conventional physicians. Uh, the doctors <laughs> didn't like that. They said, we got all this education. Why was this poverty? Everybody preferred homeopathy because it, it didn't, it didn't uh, poison them. It, it, it worked. It was gentle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and homeopath- That's and a big thing. It worked. It worked. Yeah, and, the it worked. Homeop- and the medical profession said, you'll never eat our lunch again. We're going to create the American Medical Association and do everything we can to tell people, uh, you know, to bias people against this this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we have to make a little and bit of an still... effort. And you're still... I'm sorry, go ahead. You have to make a bit of an effort to find out for yourself. Read books like this so that you're right. not um, subject to only what the vested interests want you to know and hear and to think and, and to read. And you're you're in practice. I mean, people I am, can come I to am. you. I am. I'd rather yeah. segue into more teaching and writing. But uh, it's very hard to abandon. I, mean, I can't abandon my clients, and I've got many mm-hmm. of them. And uh, um, and you work in I, Massachusetts. I still enjoy it. I still enjoy yeah. it, and uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's it keeps keeps me out of mischief. <laughs> yeah. And then, do you do do you work by Zoom as well, or do you does it almost have to exclu- be almost exclusively almost exclusively? Oh, you do. Yeah. yeah. I, so I've got clients all over the world, all over the country. Just have to you mm-hmm. know make accommodations for the um the time differences. But the as you can see here, the transmission is very very good, and right. I know what to, what I want to find out. Uh, sometimes people will want to meet me in person the first time, and I can I can I can do that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but that's their uh, preference. I mean, there's not a need on your side. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a, a big need my side. And, say, and my you want to give your my, website? Yeah. Um, www.rightwhalepress.com. That's my publishing web- website. You know the right whale, R-I-G-H-T-W-H-A-L-E? Mm-hmm. Right, right, rightwhalepress.com will bring you to my other books as well. Um, and you can also but find... to bring you to your practice too. Your pra- my practice, your... oh yeah. Okay, that's vitalforcehealthcare.com. Right. Vital, vitalforcehealthcare.com. Yeah. yeah, that will work Okay, too. great. Well, thanks so much for being on. Fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed it. You're an excellent interviewer, Barb. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.